smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. My choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Check it out now. No doubt now. Uh. Good yeah. Tuesday morning to you. It is Check Neil it Alexander out, right here at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Uh, Series 6 on Channel 204, of course. Visa.com, the Visa app. Fubo, Sling, and Game Plus. Thanks to everybody who uh, is planning on uh, joining us for the two hours today because uh, I like this one. Uh, later, Drew Dinsick, whale capper on Twitter, talk a little NFL with us. Not a little NFL. It's always a lot of NFL. We'll get his picks. We'll get his thoughts on week seven and obviously week eight moving forward. And then uh, Joe Sheehan will join us, talk uh, World Series game six tonight. And I'll do what I did with Bo Spore and uh, Weingarten yesterday and just sort of throw out my Davey Roberts theories and see if Joe wants to bat them down as well. Everybody disagrees and they're like, yeah, but Davey Roberts loses his job if they lose. So I don't know if they disagree or they agree. So we look forward to that. Football and uh, baseball come in the second hour. But uh, we start today, as you know, on this show, we have not been shy about talking about political betting. Apolitically speaking, of course, Jason. Jason Kahn is here as well, everybody. How you doing, Jason? You good? Good morning, Gil. Yeah, we get apolitical. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to get apolitical, but political betting. This is like super geeked out stuff. Uh, And these two guests who are kind enough to join us this morning uh, they did a phenomenal podcast, video pod, uh, on the subject last week, and I wanted to have them both on. Uh, she is from Odd Shark. She's a writer for Odd Sharks, comes to, comes to us primarily from a poker writing background, I believe. She'll correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Pamela Maldonado on the show this morning. And uh, he is a gaming attorney, but also, and he may object to this term, so I'll have to get a definition on this. I believe uh, operative might be too strong of a word. He may object to that. But uh, registered Republican, formerly working in politics in the Republican Party, uh, it's Mac Verstandig. So welcome, Pamela. Welcome, Mac. And congratulations to the both of you on what I thought was just a great podcast last week. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. There they are. Look at them. I very much appreciate that. (laughs) Oh, no, no. It was great. It was was thorough. It was wonderful. And uh, I hope to do justice here this this morning uh, because I think this is the content that everybody wants. We are one week away, obviously, from the 2020 presidential election. And I guess I was trying to figure out where should I start? And let's just start with the latest, which is yesterday when we were on the air, it looked like Joe Biden had his day cleared. He wasn't going to go anywhere, um, had his calendar cleared. And then he showed up in Pennsylvania randomly, maybe not so randomly, but at least schedule wise, it was randomly. And then the schedule came out, he's going to Georgia and Florida. And I want to start with Georgia and Texas specifically, because I found that interesting. Um, Because Georgia and Texas... 
at least in the betting markets, and I can give you the numbers specifically, Republicans to win the electoral vote, uh, electoral vote in Georgia, minus 176. Uh, to do so in Texas, uh, it is just about the same number. I think a little higher. I'll check on the exact number right now. Mac, let's start with you on these. Um, Texas, by the way, minus 360 for the Republicans. Pardon me, much higher. Are Georgia and Texas, and specifically Georgia, where Biden is visiting today, in play? Georgia's not genuinely in play on the presidential front, but Georgia's important for two reasons. One, there's a Senate race that is weirdly in play. The incumbent Senator Perdue is looking oddly vulnerable against a guy named John Ossoff, whose claim to fame, and I could not make this up, is he lost the most expensive House race in American history. But somehow he's running strong in Georgia on the Senate front. And if Biden's going to win and is getting to the point in the race where he's taking for granted the idea that he might win and he wants the Senate to back him, it puts a lot of pressure down to get there. Two, it makes the Republicans in the last week spend money in the Atlanta media market, which is expensive, and going to the Texas point in a bunch of media markets that are super expensive. And that takes their precious resources away from Michigan, Pennsylvania, and parts of Florida. So it's not a it's not a Hillary mistake. I don't I know he did say he's gonna go visit Wisconsin, so maybe it's 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 not akin to that, but it's not for those who are saying like, hey, this is exactly what Hillary did. She was in the wrong states in the last week. You don't view it that way. I don't view it that way because I don't think there's any obvious blind spot states that he's missing. Look, I'm a proud man who used to live in Wisconsin and went to school in Wisconsin. And the fact that Hillary couldn't see that Iowa was in play and Ohio was in play, but somehow didn't realize Wisconsin was in play is malpractice of the highest magnitude. Biden seems to be doing a better job covering the obvious states, though. I do think it is a little arrogant to go down to Georgia, to go down to Texas, and to try to put those in place, so to speak, when he does have real concerns in other states, but he's playing like a man who's well ahead in the fourth quarter and something of a prevent defense. Interesting. By the way, Trump, of course, winning Georgia in 2016. Polls right now split, but the betting market, as we mentioned, Republicans at minus 176 to win the electoral vote. It's Gil Alexander. It is a numbers game right here at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, Sirius XM Channel 204, uh, talking with both uh, Mac Verstandig and Pamela Maldonado from Odd Shark about the 2020 election one week from today. Let me shift to Texas for a second, Pamela. Uh, and by the way, Pam or Pamela, what do you prefer? Either way, it works fine with me. Either way. Okay. Uh, well, uh, Texas, you live in Texas. You are familiar right. with the demographics there. Yes. Uh, done deal. Republicans, huge favorites, minus 360 in terms of the betting market on the electoral vote in Texas. But you think that might be a little high as far as I could gather? I w- would not believe that they are spending advertising dollars. Kamala Harris is making a trip to Texas. If they didn't believe that there is a legitimate shot at at least making this a much tighter race than the odds and polls indicate. Now, the reason for that is because we have a large number of transient people that have come from California, New York, Arizona, people from all across the the country have, in fact, moved over to Austin, moved over to Harris County, that's Houston, Dallas, moved over to some of these big metropolitan cities within the state, and that has shifted our demographics. We are no longer as strongly red as we used to be. And now you said my Republican was minus 360. I've been tracking these odds since about March, April, um, when everyone else was focusing on Korean baseball, I got into politics. <laughs> the number for a Republican was minus 600. That number is now anywhere between minus 300. I see it on better line, minus three. You see it at minus 360. Democrat went from plus 1,000. It is now plus 240. Now, what's interesting about Texas is we have nearly 7.4 million early votes as of Sunday. Why is that number so important? Because that is 82% of the state's total in 2016. And we still have a week away. It really is impressive. But how about that Doosan team in Korea? That's what I really wanted to bring on and ask you about. <laughs> I was very, very curious about that. Um, so then, but just from a betting perspective then, while all of that, so both in Georgia and Texas, while we're trending in one way, and listen, we're all about value. We always say it no matter the bet. Value is value, whether it's a favorite or, or an underdog. 
Mac, okay. do I do? Do you still do you recommend a bet on on the Democrats in either of those states? Or are we are we jumping ahead of ourselves? I, I would take the bet on the Democrats in Texas. I think Texas, at least for this election cycle is Lucy and the football to the Democrats. They're going to get close. They're going to make some progress. But the last man's going to get pulled away. Georgia, with the right odds, and it seems that we're getting there, may actually have good value if you're looking to make a wager. If Joe Biden wins big, if this is a historic election somewhere in the nature of Ronnie Reagan in 84, but without the 49-state sweep, Georgia's one of those surprising states that's going to flip his way. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's more probable than not. But if you're getting the right odds and it looks like the markets are just about there, it may be a good value bet. Okay. Let's talk about the Rust Belt states, because as I'm as I understand it, and I think how the conventional wisdom is going right now, and most people seem to get it is if Biden can win uh, the trifecta, if you will, of Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, this thing is over. Katie, bar the doors. They used to say back down south. Yep. This is donezo. Uh, let's start with these one by one. You guys did a great job on your pod about this. Let's start with Michigan. Um, how do you see that one? As we look at the uh, the real clear politics uh, board here up at VEASAN.com and the VEASAN app, that's the one of the three. Michigan, that looks like it is definitely, not definitely, but at least it has a light shade of blue. Michigan right now, the electoral vote, uh, the electoral vote rather, in terms of the betting market, Democrats minus 260, Republicans plus 209. Mac, Michigan. Michigan probably goes Democratic. Uh, I certainly don't like the action of minus 260. I don't think it is that safe on the Democratic hold, but I don't think there's enough value at plus 209 either. It's a race I wouldn't be wagering at those odds one way or another. If Trump's going to hold on to Michigan, it's going to be a hidden vote that comes out for him again. It's also going to be reverse coattailing. There's a Senate race with a really lovable guy named John James. He's an Iraqi war veteran running on the Republican ticket. If he can draw out enough of the traditional GOP base that's been otherwise repulsed by Trump, and let's just say there's really bad weather in Detroit that day or something that sort of tamps down the vote. It's possible, but I see Michigan going back in the Democratic column, and I would say relatively safely so. Light blue does seem like the right shade. Pennsylvania, where the Democrats are minus 200, another state that Trump won in 2016, has come down from minus 250. Biden, not quite the polling advantage that he has in Michigan, uh, do you think Pennsylvania is in play? And and is it really, I mean, is it one of these that if, if Trump can win, I mean, that's his only path, right, Mac? Yes. His only path is to pick up two of the three Rust Belt states. Trump is an incumbent who's not going to add a single state he lost last time, with the possible exception of Nevada. And that's sort of exasperating into itself if you're looking at the big odds, the idea that you have an incumbent who's not likely to pick up territory. Uh, Pennsylvania is Joe Biden's home state. He was the senator from Delaware, but he is at least supposedly a proud son of Scranton, Pennsylvania, and he's been pointing that out a lot on the campaign trail. The problem for him is Philadelphia has been not showing the sort of robust enthusiasm you would want from a Democratic perspective. Trump has been smart. He's been campaigning hard in Pennsylvania, not just recently. I mean, remember, Donald Trump started campaigning for re-election roughly 10 seconds after the oath of office. So I'm looking to see what we've got at the moment. Democrats minus 185, Republicans uh, plus 153. I think there's value on the Republican line there. Uh, I wouldn't take it at even money, but at plus 153, I think Donald Trump could pull this out of his back pocket again. It's a state that's not getting any more liberal. It, it's a it's a market that has really come down too. Like every day, I, yeah. Go ahead, Pam. Go ahead. Could I go ahead and interject here? Please. I think another uh, thing that you have to consider is that it's not just a Biden that's making the, his rounds over in Pennsylvania. It's also Obama, and who's gonna who has a lot more name recognition at this point? It's going to be Obama. But something that did help, that is a big blow for Republicans, that would have me leaning more towards Democrat, is that the Supreme Court ruled just yesterday that mail-in ballots can't be rejected over mismatched signatures. So what that means, it's different looking signatures from your ballot than your registration form are no longer disqualifying. That's a big blow for the Republicans. Did you find since you got into this, Pam, earlier this year, have you found that the that the betting interest in this has grown far oh wider God. than you could have imagined? 
I, I, I listen every single day. I go about an hour walk every single morning and it's why I need to listen to podcasts. I am listening to every single political podcast that I can. I have absorbed this like it has become my limb. I'm astonished with myself to be frank. And it's just, it's, it's <sighs> just so it's thrilling to see the developments from where we were in March to where we are now, and it's a week away, you're seeing the progression from either side, Republicans, Democrats, you're getting viewpoints from Republicans, Democrats, and it's just, it's, it's fascinating to me. It is, and it's, it's, what, it's what me and my friends have talked about the most. Obviously, we talk about football and baseball and, and standard as well, but this has been the running sort of sidebar the whole way through. I want to get your thoughts, Pam, on, uh, on Florida momentarily, but let's finish the Rust Belt, because I know, Mac, that you were in Wisconsin for a good period yep. of time. Uh, this, to me, of all the things you guys talked about, well, there was a couple states. Wisconsin and Nevada were particularly interesting. Uh, but Wisconsin, which is part of that Rust Belt trio, uh, Democrats minus 295 right now, Republicans plus 235. These are consensus numbers in betting markets globally. Trump won it in 2016. Polling has been really, really interesting because you see some polls where Biden is double digits ahead in Wisconsin. You've lived there. You've worked mm -hmm. in politics there. Uh, you see this completely differently from a poll like that. I, I do. I think it is much closer, and I think there's value on the Republican side. Trump was the first Republican to pull Wisconsin out in some time, but the fact that he's gotten the state close it is not coincidence. With auto layoffs, the number of unionized employees over the past several years has dropped dramatically. That means the number of both Democratic voters— uh, period has dropped, and the number of Democratic voters who are going to be told by his or her respective union boss to show up and vote has dropped. There's another issue with Wisconsin. This is not a good thing, but from a betting point of view, we got to take everything into account. Milwaukee is a city that contains almost the entire Democratic base of the Wisconsin vote outside of Madison, and Milwaukee is a place where voter suppression occurs on just an enormous and deeply unfortunate scale. By no means am I condoning this. This is a terrible thing, but it's baked into the cake. The reality is there is year in and year out an effort to suppress the African-American vote in Milwaukee. The African-American vote in Milwaukee is a heavily Democratic vote. The polling obviously isn't suppressed. No one's being turned away from answering the phone over dinner. So there tends to be a divide between what the polls show in advance and what actually happens on Election Day. Add in the fact that places like Janesville don't have the auto workers that they once did, add in the fact that parts of the state have actually done pretty well under Trump. And I think it's a very close state. I think there's a lot of value in the Republican wager at the moment. I don't know that it makes sense at an even money point. I think Joe Biden's going to win the state, but it's much, much closer. And, and to add on to that, please, uh, you have, I was just talking about Pennsylvania and how the Supreme Court was a big blow for the Republicans. Well, it's the reverse. It's the Supreme Court ruled in something that's in favor of the Republicans. The Supreme Court will not, and this was also something that just happened over the weekend, they will not extend the deadline for absentee ballots, meaning absentee ballots will be counted only if they are in the hands of municipal clerks by the time the polls close on November 3rd. So that's a big win for Republicans. Speaking of, uh, speaking of the allegations of voter suppression, or maybe not just allegations, maybe, maybe the reality of voter suppression. We talked about Milwaukee here moments ago. Uh, Florida, Pam. Uh, again, another state that went to Trump in 2016. It was red in 2016. This market, very tight. Republicans minus 144, Democrats plus 120. There is a path where Florida, or, or there is a scenario, I should say, where Florida doesn't matter in the end. If Biden wins those Rust Belt states, maybe even Trump winning Florida uh, will not shift this election to Donald J. Trump. But Latinos, obviously an interesting demographic in the state of Florida and very hard to sort of wrangle. Explain that to us, if you would. I think I'm going to let Mac do this one because I kind of do believe that I think, yes, it's a toss up, but I'm in agreement with him that it is probably going to go towards Trump and Republican minus two, minus 125, what the odds are. The voter turnout is not doing as superb as other states. The voter turnout is kind of, whether it is suppression, but it's only 42% of the votes have cast their ballots. They are expecting 80% turnout, but I myself, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel strong. And I would believe that Mac perhaps would be a better one to answer on this one when it comes to the state. Mac? 
Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then those. Never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. So Florida is where I went to law school. I don't know if that gives me much in the way of bona fides, but I've lived in Miami and I've voted in Miami. Uh, one of the really inexplicable things is the ratio of Republican voters to Democratic voters in Florida has actually gone up over the past four years during Trump's first term, meaning there are more registered Republicans today as a percentage than there were four days ago. That doesn't jibe with any national norm. That doesn't jibe with anything you expect against a relatively unpopular incumbent president. There's also a lot of things in Florida that would ordinarily suggest Biden should be comfortable. It's a heavily minority state. But, and Pamela is much more qualified on this part than me, uh, the Latino and Latino vote is not a singular block. It's an enormous exactly. vote complicated voting block, but it's a huge part of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties, which are the three counties in Southern Florida that account for almost all of the state's Democratic votes. And where they meaningfully differ from the Latino and Latino votes in places like Texas and Arizona is there's a heavily Cuban influence. Younger generations of Cubans are supposed to be getting more and more liberal because they did not personally flee the terrors of Fidel Castro. But somehow that hasn't planned out. The Cuban vote has been reliably Republican over the years, uh, mostly just because of the de facto reaction to anything that even vaguely sounds like communism or liberalism, which, again, putting aside merits for another day. And that's held Florida as a relatively conservative state. So I think it is going to hold for Trump. It is now officially his residence. He somehow showed up and voted in person the other day, got a good photo op. But, uh, yeah, there's some value on the Republican ticket there. Okay. so Florida for- is just – I'm go, sorry. Go Florida ahead, is just really hard because you're having to guess 
who is going to turn out for the vote. You have the older white demographic who is very upset at the mishandling of coronavirus. And like Max said, you have the Latino population, which we've had this discussion. It is very hard to break down the Latino Hispanic population because we have 30 subsidies within our culture. So somebody who is, like he said, you have the Cubans and then you have the Mexicans who are, but what part of Mexico are you from? The Southern Mexico are you from? The West Coast Mexico? Like it's just so many. So you're trying to have, why Florida is a toss-up is because you're trying to guess which demographic is going to turn out. Okay, so then to both of you here, because we have a pesky commercial here in a minute, of the states we've talked about, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, the Rust Belt states, uh, Florida, and then let's throw in Georgia and Texas, which is where we started. What's the best bet state-by-state state among them as you see it value-wise? Either of you could take that. Best value is Wisconsin. Safest bet is Florida. GOP on both of them. GOP on both of them. You agree with that, Pam? I was Wisconsin was going to be my first response as well. So the value on the GOP in the state of Wisconsin, which is, again, one of those three that Biden is trying to get to clinch it and make it an early night a week from today, election night, uh, November 3rd, one week from today. All right, we'll come back. It's Mac Verstandig. It's Pamela Maldonado from Odd Shark uh, talking election here all hour long. We'll talk to Drew Densick on the NFL and Joe Sheehan on MLB in the second hour. I want to get into the state of Nevada, which most people sort of think is a done deal. Mac doesn't see it that way. Uh, we want to get into the interesting demographics of the state of Nevada, which is a very 2020 discussion. That and, of course, the broader discussion, finally, the big market. Who will win this ultimately uh, in the presidential race, Biden or Trump, and how you should bet that. Coming back on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. One week from today with Mac Verstandig and Pamela Maldonado. Uh, the Twitter machine loves these two. I knew they would. Um, we'll get into all those tweets here momentarily. But we have, a, we have a short little segment here, and I want to talk Nevada because one of the things that you two talked about on your video pod. Should I call it a video pod, a video? I don't know what it was, but it was beautiful the way you guys did it. Uh, but Nevada was fascinating because here mm-hmm. we are, Mac, I know you're you're located in Nevada. <laughs> Pam, you're in Texas. Um, yes. Nevada is a very unique 2020 situation, isn't it, Mac? Nevada is the ultimate 2020 state, and but for the storylines of 2020, it would not and should not be in play. So Nevada is a state that was getting more and more reliably Democratic and showing no signs of turning back, about four to seven points in the blue margin. Uh, Hillary Clinton won it. Donald Trump didn't really compete there. He tried to. It didn't happen. And that should have held. But here's the thing about Nevada. Nevada is Las Vegas and the rest of the state. And the rest of the state is very conservative. Las Vegas is full of casino employees. That is our local industry. And casino employees are unionized and thus tend to vote Democratic. But because of COVID-19, a large swath of the casino employees are gone. Uh, Not all the casinos are fully up and reopened at all. And the ones that are are not really running at full capacity at the moment. So there's these huge quantities of unionized employees who were told earlier this year uh, that they've been laid off, they've been let go. And a large number of them have packed up and they've gone to California, they've gone to Florida, they've gone to any number of other states, but they're not hanging back in Nevada where the short-term future prospects of employment are not great. That means there's a large part of this reliable Democratic vote that's gone. Now, here's what makes this even screwier. When we take polls in politics, when we sample what's going on in front of Election Day, we assume a Republican-Democratic voter split that's either in accord with what's on the books or that roughly resembles what turned out four years ago. So the polling's not going to show this massive drop in Democratic voters in Southern Nevada. Interesting. But I think the campaigns know. They've been showing up in great frequency lately. Donald Trump has been running all over Southern Nevada, and I don't think you'd see that investment of resources unless someone in the campaign had the same intel we do. That's that's totally it, right? That's totally the reason why it keeps coming back here. It's got to be. Yeah. But yeah. then from a betting perspective, you always talk about fishy lines, and maybe the lines don't necessarily correlate. I think 
what's interesting about Nevada and why I would also lean towards the Republican side of getting value is because if you look at 538, I look at this side daily, by the way, but if you look at 538, <laughs> they have Biden clearly favored to win Nevada, 92 in 100, yet the betting odds have continuously dropped yes. Republican. And so if it was clearly favored, in my opinion, that Democratic juice would be a little bit higher than what it is at minus anywhere between minus 250, minus 280 than what you're getting. Yeah. In fact, Pam, to your point, I mean, this yesterday, I saw Democrats minus 340 here. We looked this morning, well, we flash up on the screen is minus mm-hmm. 300. You're quoting it a tick below that even. So it is, yeah. you know, every day, obviously the, the general election market changes every day back and forth. But even these states now are starting to move at a very rapid pace, Nevada being perhaps chief among them. You agree with that, Mac, that, that that's a that's a value bet and maybe more than a value bet? Maybe, you know, because it's one thing to talk value. It's another thing to, okay, value schmalu, is this going to win or not? As people, you know, people want to know, is it going to cash it? Right. Would you bet this Republican? I would bet a Republican. We've talked about a lot of value opportunities in the Rust Belt, and those are things where at the right number, I think the odds are there, but I suspect they're going to go to Joe Biden. I think Donald Trump's going to win the state of Nevada. It is going to be the ultimate 2020 aberration. And it'll be fascinating to see four years from now whether or not the parties realize this is what happened, because this is a singular non-reoccurring event that just falls right in his favor. I only have 20 seconds here before the next break, but is it consequential even if it does go to the Republicans for the national election? No. Nevada is a de minimis number of electoral votes, and I do not see this election being that squeaky of a margin. All right. We'll come back. Mac Verstandig, Pamela Maldonado, talking election one week away, and we'll talk football and baseball. promise you that. It's a numbers game at VEASAN, the sports betting network geeking out 2020. Uh, we get tweets at Beanie the Book. Always appreciate uh, all the feedback. And as you can imagine on a show like this, it's all over the place. Uh, let's see. This is from... Uh, Let's see. This is from uh, Nick. This is talking about Pam. Uh, listening to your appearance is directed at Pam. Sound awesome. Gil should have you on the show more. He should. Yeah. Gil should. <laughs> Gil should, Pam. Uh, Martin Bands. Hey, Gil. Maldonado, one of my favorite newly discovered cappers, plus gives the show a lot better look than Wishnev, the disheveled intellectual. Great call on putting her on the show. I got to throw Todd under the bus. Uh, let's see here. Uh... Uh, okay, uh, James McIver. Apolitically speaking, that was one of my favorite interviews ever. It's still happening, James. Um, analytics. Where do people bet these presidential props? Globally. Bradley Porras. Biden is not winning Texas. Minus 360 is free money. LOL. Mike Zhang, in the words of public enemy, don't believe the hype on Biden-Harris in Texas. Uh, we're talking about value. And uh, let's see, Phil Weiss. Excellent pair of election experts. Really good info. And then he goes on to throw one of our other guests under the bus, which is just not cool either. Come on, people. Come on. It's uh, Gil Alexander. It's Mac Verstandig and Pamela Maldonado from Oddshark, kind enough to join us to talk election this morning. Uh, before we get into the broader presidential market, and what I'm really curious about is if you would uh, if you would venture a wager on by how much either the GOP or the Democrats are going to win in the Electoral College. We'll get into that next segment. But let's go through a few of these Senate races of consequence uh, if you will, guys. And let's start in Arizona. I guess Arizona, we can talk both Electoral College and the Senate race. Martha McSally, the Republican. Mark Kelly, the Democrat. Mark Kelly, a huge minus 383 favorite. Properly priced? Throw it out to either of you. So, uh, yes, properly priced. Martha McSally is an incumbent who's never been elected. There's a lot of unpopularity there. It's a state that's leaning towards going toward Biden to begin with. Plus, Mark Kelly is a lovable former astronaut. He's married to Gabby Giffords, who's the former congressman, congresswoman who had the tragic shooting. He is a figure who Arizonans easily rally around. This is an almost impossible Senate race on the GOP side. Uh, from a legal point of view, Amy Coney Barrett was sworn in as an associate justice of the Supreme Court really a short time ago. I think it's as we've been on air this morning. And one of the questions is, why did the GOP rush her through prior to Election Day? Why not tease it out there as reelect us and we'll get it done, or at least we'll get it done in the lame duck session? And I think Arizona is actually a big reason. Because this is a special election, uh, whoever wins this race is going to be sworn in very quickly. They don't wait till January. And there is zero confidence in the Republican Party that Martha McSally can hold on to this seat. What about the state itself, uh, the state itself from an Electoral College perspective, red or blue? Because this is a real tight market with the Democrats only a slight favorite. 
Well, Trump won here four years ago. If he's going to lose outside of the Rust Belt, this would seem to be part of what walks away from him. But there's been this odd issue with, again, the Latino-Latino vote, which we talked about. It's not a singular vote. Mm -hmm. It's a hard vote to understand, but it doesn't seem to be as copacetic to him as it was to Barack Obama or even to Hillary Clinton. That is a massive part of the vote in Arizona. Arizona is really just a couple of metropolitan areas. The rest of it's rural. Uh, so Trump seems to have a chance of holding on here. There's a reason the market's going back and forth. But if you're getting anything close to even money on Biden, I would take it. If you're you know, anywhere close to that margin, I would take it. What is it at the moment? Minus 141? I'm Minus seeing. 141, yeah. 140. Maybe bet small, but take the Democratic side. Pam, your thoughts? I would agree with him. It's, I mean, to quote our interview that he had, he said, no one believes McSally is going to win. And there are going to be situations like this where you have the, uh, the incumbent Republican going to get pushed out, but it is going to be a split ticket vote where it goes towards the Democratic side. And I agree. The voter turnout in Arizona, I mean, it's record-breaking numbers across the country, and Arizona is no exception to that. Trying to get to as many states as possible here within the hour. If your state is not mentioned, please don't don't be offended. We're trying to get to, to some of the more swingy ones. Uh, Iowa. Uh, let's start with the Senate race. Jody Ernst, the Republican, slight favorite, minus 126. Teresa Greenfield, the Democrat, plus 106. Uh, you were mentioning on the, on the pod you did with Pam uh, over there uh, at Odd Shark, which was wonderfully done. Once again, I urge people to go uh, listen to it and watch it. That Ernst at one point was sort of a darling in the Republican Party, actually delivering a State of the Union response. Not really the case anymore, huh? No, Joni Ernst is on quick and hard. Joni Ernst, when she first ran, had this advertisement she put on TV where she talked about growing up castrating hogs. And it became this metaphor for getting you know what out of Washington, D.C. That hit the Iowa populace perfectly. Iowa's a really politically savvy state because of the Iowa caucuses. They take absurd pride in being the presidential wine tasters of the United States and the people who shall sample our presidential candidates first every four years. So they pay a lot of attention. And the problem with promising to go to D.C. and clean up the swamp is a singular senator from Iowa can't do it. And I don't think even Mr. Smith could do it these days. So Joni Ernst has taken a hit because of that. But I think she's minus 126 or so. It should hold Republican. Iowa's gotten marginally more Republican over the years. I haven't seen a huge Democratic investment in the state. I don't think Joe Biden has much of a chance of winning the state, oddly enough. Uh, so Joni Ernst should pull it out. But this is not the upstart, enthusiastic, promising candidate she was just a few years ago. So Jody Ernst should pull it out. Am I to understand you also said Republicans to win the Electoral College there? Minus 183 on the Republicans is what I'm seeing right now. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my day. <laughs> Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating, up to eight passengers, yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Yeah, I mean, I don't love the line, but anything under minus 200, I think there's value on the Republicans to hold the Electoral College in Iowa, which, again, not terrifically consequential to hold for Trump, and it's not that many electoral yeah. Another red state, as you said, in 2016. Pam, Iowa, anything? Well, from a voting, from a voter turnout perspective, you're looking at Iowa, which has hit 608,000 ballots received. That number in 2016 was 342. Jeez. So it is, you take it for what you will. We, there's no, it's too early right now, obviously, to know are those Republican, are those Democrat, but those are the numbers that are being thrown out. So that's something to consider. Yeah, because that, that's obviious. The, the obvious follow up is do we know what that means, right? I think a lot of people will assume, mm-hmm. oh, that must be Democratic uh, voters primarily, but we don't necessarily know that from a state to exactly. state perspective. Uh, last commercial, I promise. Uh, and we will get to the uh, the general market here on the uh, the presidential race itself. Biden right around $2 favorite. We'll update it here momentarily. And the notion of just how much might either Republicans or Democrats win this, Trump or Biden. Coming back, a numbers game at VEASAN, the sports betting network. Uh, it is Gil Alexander. It is a numbers game right here at VEASAN. We get tweets. Uh, and uh, as always, you gotta love you gotta love a numbers game, listeners. Uh, this one, Gil, that guy is really Jeff Coliandro in disguise, right? He sounds just like. <laughs> could you imagine? We dressed up Jeff Coliandro and called him Mac Verstanding. That's not true. That's that's what's happening. Not at all. Uh, great analysis from Drawn Cup. Great analysis of Cuban and Latinos in Florida. Have many friends and now relatives in the community that fled Cuba. Uh, their kids hold the same values. One thing you did not mention is they also lean conservative because they feel liberals persecute Christians over other religions. Thank you, Drawn Cup, for that. Uh, John G., just awesome. Two of my three favorite follows, just missing Paul Stone. Um, let's see here, on and on, and beating the book. Always, always uh, appreciate the tweets. Uh, Mark B., clinically figuring systematic voter suppression into betting value analysis is the most depressing thing I've ever heard on your show. Appropriate but depressing. Um, let's see. Uh, and there's always, you know, there's always different viewpoints. Deshock wave like that. He says, love the show, but listen to you do not have to hear about politics. Keep up the good work, but let's not spend all day on the madness. Okay. We'll talk football. Top of the hour. You'll be happy to show. Uh, Deshock, Deshock, Deshock wave. Sorry about that. Um, Gil, Mitchie here. Missed most of the conversation, but I love the political betting market talk. Looking forward to summary of the best bets in the VEASAN email. Can we throw those in the VEASAN email? Are we allowed to do that, Jason? Jason's looking at me terrified. I will find out. Jason's like, oh, no. This is the worst moment of my life. Do I have to include all these in the email? Uh, Hank Teal, great interview. Thank you. It's all, it's all Pam and, and, uh, and Mac. Martin Bands, uh, one more time. Presidential wine tasters. Oh, my God, what a great line. Wordsmithing at its finest. On and on and on. We could read these all day. We appreciate uh, all the uh, response to Pamela and Mac. Uh, I lied, guys. One last state, because I feel like I gave short shrift here to Ohio, where the electoral, uh, the electoral vote rather is Republicans minus 255, Democrats plus 206. Any thoughts there? No Republican has won the presidency without winning the state of Ohio, as best I can tell, I think, since like the invention of the cotton gin or something (laughs) along those lines. Uh, If it's going to flip, this is the election, right? There is this scenario where Biden just runs the board huge, in which case Ohio will be a domino that falls with the Rust Belt. Looking at the line, if you, you know, if you're getting plus two something, close to plus three something, there might be some thin value there in the Democratic bet. But uh, I would say bet it small. Don't get too excited. Eli Whitney reference cashes at plus fifteen hundred. Jason, mark that down as well. Excellent. Pam, anything there? 
Uh, no, I actually had, Ohio was one of the early videos that I had done in, I believe it was like June, July before people were pegging this as a potential flip. So I just want to toot my own horn that, Hey, I did, I was out there first. Horn tooted, <laughs> horn tooted. Uh, well, let me, let me start with you, Pamela, on the, on the general then. All right. Okay. Uh, Joe Biden, Donald Trump right now. And you know, better than anybody, this changes daily, if not hourly at this point. Uh, this yes. has been all over the place. I got Biden at plus money uh, earlier this year. That is obviously long gone. Uh, yes. It's at minus 202 is what I'm seeing right at the moment. Trump coming back at plus 170. Value on Trump, we usually gravitate towards the dog when talking value. Or conversely, is is there value instead on Joe Biden? Is that too low? In my opinion, I'm going to stick with without giving my politics, this is purely from what I see in numbers. I'm very much a numbers person. And what I can go off of is that there have been 62 million votes. That is already record-breaking on track for historic levels. That is 15 million more at this time in 2016. In my opinion, people are not showing out if it was for the incumbent. It's potentially wanting change. And the reason one of the largest, the biggest issue is the handling of the pandemic. Now, no one is blaming Trump for the pandemic, of course. His handling of it, I think, is believe. He once said in February, this is going to be gone by April. This is going to be gone by Easter. Here we are in November. I heard a fascinating podcast that really opened up my eyes to seeing Biden as value. And it was a woman's coalition who was talking about um, how they've gone. And this, this is a group of women who either voted Republican and are now voting for Biden or they voted for, uh, I'm sorry, they voted for Trump and are now voting for Biden. But one of the things that they're saying was after Trump himself got coronavirus, they had their seven-year-old uh, children tell them, mommy, why is the president not wearing a mask? I have to wear a mask every day at school. Why doesn't the president have to wear one? So it's just like that was eye opening to me because there's just a large demographic that we're not necessarily thinking of in terms of of money and value. It is it it really is. I believe the key issue is the coronavirus, this pandemic. And I think if it wasn't in any other election year, I think Trump can definitely regain his spot. But because of the pandemic and the situation that the country is still in, the, the cases are just increasing state by state across the country. We're going back to June, July numbers. I really think that's just been the thorn in his behind that he wasn't wanting to, uh, you can't predict. So I really do think that that minus 200 should actually be closer to minus 250. Ooh. Mac, same? Smartest four words I'll say today, Pamela Maldonado is correct. Uh, there is an enthusiasm gap. I drove across America in the middle of the pandemic. I actually drove from Vegas up to Maine to take care of some business. And there's a big spread in yard signs. There's a big spread in flags. And that, I think, gives some false optimism on the Trump front because the people who back Trump love Donald Trump. But the numbers just aren't there. Trump is this guy holding an eight or nine card parlay or an eight or nine card round robin who needs to pull out almost everyone with possibly one exception. And when we talk about them in a vacuum, we say, okay, there's a path in Wisconsin. There's a path in Pennsylvania. There's a path in Arizona. But for those all to fall rapidly, it's just statistically improbable to a spectacular degree. Minus 202 is a steal. Pam said she sees value at up to minus 250. I see value at up to minus 350. I think the odds of Joseph Robinette Biden being sworn in on January 20th are much better than four to one. And to the people then who would say, whoa, wait a minute, everybody, uh, Hillary was up in the polls four years ago and look what happened. Mm -hmm. And even though it's a, you know, let's let's be honest, the polls are, are a little more in favor of Biden seven days out than they were in favor of Hillary. Let's make that uh, clear as well. But to the people who say, hey, polls schmoles, as my mother used to say, uh, mm -hmm. what would you say to them? In regards to the polls, here's what I would, one thing that I would say is that there's one key difference in regards to the polls from 2016 to now is that one, Hillary never once reached the 50% threshold 
during the entire election period. Biden has not only hit that, he has maintained that for months. Number two, Hillary, right around this time, all of the sentiment was actually shifting against her. Biden, he has kept. He is favorable in his personality. He is favorable in the economy. He is favorable in whatever poll imaginable. He has held his favorability, something he, not once has it shown a decline. So that would be two stark differences, in my opinion. 50% threshold maintained throughout the entire election process. Interesting. Mac? I, I think that's accurate. Um, Donald Trump ran four years ago campaigning on what he can do for the United States. This has largely been a campaign about the wrongs that have been done to him and why he deserves to be reelected for his own personal purposes. I don't think that's a convincing message. He also won four years ago because people lied to bolsters, which is not uncommon, right? People will say one thing on the phone because it sounds like the politically correct thing. They'll then go standing in the voting booth and notwithstanding a terrible access Hollywood tape, vote for Donald Trump. It's a little harder to do that when you're voting at the kitchen counter with your spouse and your children hanging around. I think that's a small factor, but it's one that goes toward Biden. I just don't see Trump being able to string together enough states. Guys, for real, I could talk to you about this for another hour. But uh, sadly, we only have a minute left, so I want to ask you this following question. If you then are following what you just said, you both believe that the the value is on Biden. Uh, There are some markets by how much then will either the GOP win in the Electoral College, if you believe that, by how much will the Democrats uh, and there are ranges on this, and we could flash those up at vsin.com and the vsin app. Um, what is your best, and obviously this is where you really get into the weeds of electoral math, if this state goes this way, if that state goes the other way. What's the range by which you think, and you guys both said Biden, that you think specifically Biden will win by, and it's, you know, there's a, there's a 1 to 9, 10 to 29, 30 to 59, 60 to 99. There's all kinds of ranges. Give me your best guess on that, Pam. Um. Without having to do all that math in my head, I'm just going to go with landslide. Landslide. Wow. Mac? I see the electoral vote being somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 to 320 for the Democrats. I think there are enough states to get picked up that we land in there. You've got to look at some weird things to come out with a precise count, including what happens to that one weird congressional district in Maine that votes on its own. So that sounds like a triple-digit electoral win, or just shy of that, is what I'm getting with 320? Well, 320 would be the total electoral count, so that would be, yeah, triple-digit or yeah. just about there, 100 or, or so. Or just shy, yeah. Mac Verstandig, Pamela Maldonado, can't thank you two enough. Thanks for spending the hour. Uh, I appreciate it so much. And again, congratulations to both of you on a great video pod that you did together, which completely inspired this. So thank you to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Pamela and Mac, right here on the Numbers Game at Visa. We will talk football. We'll do it. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At- 